excited to share this conversation that I had with Jim Palmer. He is a professional stuntman, but he's also a author, writer, uh, father, among many other things. I was put into contact with Jim through his stepson, Bryce James, who was on a previous episode of this podcast. And this episode was really cool to record because Jim is the first guest that I've had that's older than I am someone who's set goals when they were my age and has accomplished them, but still continues to set new goals and is still creative and trying new things. It was really inspiring to talk to someone like him. He's been in over a hundred movies and it was just really cool to uh, get a stuntman's perspective on the movie industry and what it's like to make films and what it's like to chase after something that you really want. So I hope you enjoy my conversation with Jim Palmer from about two months ago. It took me a while to get this up, but here it is, me and Jim Palmer. Enjoy. I said when I saw you a while ago, man, I'm like, man, you grow like a foot, man. What's that all about? Yeah, it's been a while since since we've seen each other. I've known you for a while, but through Bryce, you know, not super well or anything. Sure. But um, I always appreciated how, uh, like, there's just a few memories where you were just super supportive of whatever Bryce and I were doing. You know, sure. like, I remember a time when we were... Um, messing around with a guitar and Bryce had a drum kit and stuff and you came in and like brought an amp in and you were like stoked that we were uh yeah. just trying to be creative and do stuff that, I think that's the whole thing and just like what you're doing right now um creative is a huge word in my vocabulary because that's what is stimulating the mind right I mean your, your creativity I mean you can you can just go stale real quick but if you are the creative type you will find things to do. You will find things to make. I don't care if it's a paper airplane that you've never made before, but it's crazy because even with the internet now, you can look up like, okay, if I wanted to make this certain type of origami paper airplane that shoots down other airplanes, then I will. You know, I mean, yeah. I mean, it's it's all about staying creative, reading, writing, painting, building, hammering, sawing, cutting, whatever, you know? Yeah. It's interesting that you say that because it's like, the more we advance in technology, it's like a gift and a curse in a way. It's like there's so much information out there that you can take advantage of, but you can also get lost in doing some things that waste time and there's yeah. other. I, I think you're absolutely right because you can be easily influenced in a wrong direction. You you got to be yourself, stay true to yourself. You know, I think that's the cool thing about Bryce and his friends, you know, like you. And, and 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 all his other buddies I've met, you've a lot of you guys have this desire to be creative and and also be yourselves. I think a big problem these days is people are worried about whatever people think about them. Mm. You know, what, how they perceive them, stuff like that. I mean, if you if you're shining light, you you know, I mean, you got a good heart and you're into creating things that are positive and not creating trouble you know, like-minded people attract, you know, and I, I just think it's good if more people could 
be more stoked about what they're doing and less worried about what other people are doing and the covetousness that goes on like, oh God, I wish I had this or I wish I had what they were doing or something like this. Well, no, you, you can, everybody, you just got to get up and do it like you're doing right now. I mean, I could sit there and talk about, man, I want to do a podcast. You know, I want to do a podcast. I could talk to it about it for three years. Yeah. And then it's like, well, I don't know, you know. Yeah. You got to do it, man. And it's just like I, I self-published a book about 17 years ago on stunts. Stunt adjustment. Yeah, stunt adjustment. Yeah. And I came up with the idea like, yeah, I'm going to write a book. Well, after telling about, I don't know, eight or ten people because I was really excited about it. I told about eight or ten people. And then I, one day I'm like, wow. I guess I am writing a book because I've already told these people this. I don't want to, you know, plus, um, you know, it was so exciting. It was a great project to do and which has led me to do two other books that I'm just uh, just finishing up right now. But those are children's books and uh, that one of them I wrote with my granddaughters. And so all three of us, uh, they're being credited as as authors as well at, um, you know, six and eight years old, and, awesome. which is cool. But I want to spread, I spread that creativity from my kids. I want to spread it to my granddaughters and anybody I come across. I, you know, encouragement is another big word. You know, I encourage anybody that has a, a passionate idea. Go for it, man. Hmm. Go for it. Don't worry about what people think. You know, you'll, you'll make your mistakes along the way and learn from it and get better at it. I think everybody has ideas and we all have dreams that it can just be scary to pursue sometimes when you think about who's going to see you. And especially now with social media, everyone's going to see me. And you just think so much about, you know, the perception of others. But I just try to remind myself that, like, it's not going to be great right away. And you got to start somewhere. You got to take the time to be bad at something and and learn and just be okay with that. And that's a good thing too, you know, if you just started doing something and you're an expert about it right away, it's like the cool stories are the people who sucked at first and they kept grinding and made it happen. Yeah. Well, a key word you just said a little while ago was doing, and it is doing, uh, like I said, people are worried, Oh God, what are, what are my friends going to think of, you know, if I start this butterfly collection or whatever, you know what I mean? Yeah. Again, you can't worry about what other people think. If you, you have a passion, you got to go for it and not worry about what other people think. Because if you're doing it, somebody else is not doing it. Mm. And the critics usually like to sit back and make fun of the people that are doing it because it's easy to criticize. Yeah. You know, it's easy. And then sometimes it's hard to achieve. Sometimes it's it's easy to achieve what, what you set out to do. But as long as you're doing it, you're going to get it, man. It's just like... When I started out doing stunts, prior to stunts, after I graduated college, I was fortunate to go try out with the Rams in 1985. And I was fortunate to sign as a free agent, which meaning I didn't have an agent to represent me. I wasn't a draft choice. Went and tried out, but like, oh, hey, we'll give this guy a shot. So I signed as a free agent, signed a contract as a free agent, and I went for it. And that was my one of two childhood dreams, which was a burning desire and then when I finally got released, I made it through a couple of cuts of the cuts where they release people. But when I finally got cut, I was like, oh, man, you know, it was kind of devastating because in a way that was a dream. I was possessed by that sport. It was uh, it was like everything at the time. 
and also had um, my oldest daughter was a little ba- little baby girl at the time, and you have an infant, it's like, oh man, okay, I gotta make something happen. And then you know, I thought I was gonna coach because of my background and all this stuff, but I had this epiphany, I had this moment, and I pass this on to anybody that I want to encourage, including you or to any of your friends, I'm like, I had a moment where the second part of my childhood dream started to happen. I had a moment by myself where I was really at my wits end. What am I going to do? And a lot of us experience that. And it's actually a good place to be because it's going to force you to ask yourself some questions. And the one that I asked myself was, I didn't ask myself, what do you really want to do? I can remember sitting on a chair in the dining room by myself at the house I grew up in, and I asked myself, no, no, no. What do you really, really want to do? You know what I mean? So it's, I mean, that for me, it's as deep as I got. And then all of a sudden it hit me. Since the fourth grade, I wanted to be a stuntman. And... I'm the kind of guy that, like, if you tell me, no, you'll probably just be another fish in a fishbowl, that kind of lights a fire under my hat, so to speak. I'm like, tell me no, and I'll prove you wrong, you know. And so, yeah, so then I had made some connections through my through a football agent that I had at the time. Yeah, backtracking, I did have a football agent, but I wasn't a draft choice. That's why I was a free agent. But anyhow, he connected me to this one guy who was a legend, who's who's long since dead, but a legend in the business. And so long story short there, I trained with him. I got my first job uh, doing stunts at Universal Studios in Hollywood there doing a Miami Vice live action show. It was the greatest thing. And then learned how to network from there to find jobs in TV and movies and then develop a reputation and just keep going and training and getting better, you know. So you have these moments and you got to go for it, man. And you have to be real honest with yourself. Like, for example, I'm a, just because I started when I was young, I'm a, I'm a good snow skier. You know, I'm fortunate I've had exposure to a lot of sports. So I, I can ski really good. But realistically, Somebody asked, hey, so do you want to be like a professional or Olympic downhill skier? I'm like, no, because I'm not that good. You know, I'm good, but I'm not. You dedicate your life to that for that time in your life, you know. And just so like stunts with stunts, that's one of the biggest things that you have to be is honest with yourself. It's like, hey, we need to we need you. Hey, can you ride a horse? And if I answer yes, that means I'm pretty much professional. On a horse. I mean, up and down hills, whipping its burn. Yeehaw, let's go, you know. But I'm not that level. So I have to be honest with myself, which is going to save my life and somebody else's property. Like, you know, I can ride a horse around the ring and things like that, but I know better. I know what you mean when you say, can you ride a horse? So I say no, you know. But there's other people that they want that so desperate. They want that job so desperate. Yeah, I can ride. Mm. And I've seen this happen. You know, it happened on a, a Baywatch episode. We were doing water ski, ra- uh, simulating the Catalina water ski races down by the Queen Mary out in the ocean. And, and so somebody said that, you know, when they ask you, hey, can you water ski like fast, you know, in the ocean? And, you know, I can do that. I've done that. So, yeah, I'm, I'm good. But somebody else 
said they could, but they really couldn't. They wanted the job so bad, they were willing to jeopardize themselves and everybody else just because they wanted that job so bad. Yeah. And I guarantee you, they knew deep down in their heart, they were in over their heads and they knew it. Well, it's interesting because like, you hear people say, you know, fake it till you make it or something like that. Yeah. That seems like the very wrong mentality when it comes to doing stunts. You know, it's like anything physical, you don't want to try to fake that because no. you're going to no. you're gonna get hurt. Yeah, absolutely. And that's why, you know, when you're afforded the luxury to rehearse and especially big, very dangerous stunts, you know, re- rehearsing when we're rehearsing, that's where most of the danger is. That's where most of the danger takes place, because if it's something new and innovative then you're going through the process to reduce the risk the risk is always inherent in that job um no question about it um but you do your best and you know if you're fortunate enough like i have been to work with the best people in the world and i can i can verify that no problem that you know you're comfortable with these people that they've done their homework you know whether it's people operating equipment or or people um, setting up your car um, or the person that's going to hit you with the car, who's driving the car, you know, Um, people that know what they're doing. So, yeah, you really have to uh, having the the benefit to rehearse and things like that. But like, yeah, fake it till you make it. That's a (laughs) you can't fake it, man. I mean, it's it's funny because it's a what do you call it? A cliche, right? Yeah, yeah. Fake it till you make it. And it's kind of just something in fun but i've seen people that kind of believe that you know i've i've been around shysters you know fast talking phony business guys that are you know they have all the flash and everything else and even the dialogue mm. but it's directed in the wrong way and their whole attitude is yeah fake it till you make it i'm thinking you ain't never gonna make it yeah because you're fake yeah you know yeah and when you talk about you know, if you can ride a horse, you got to think that these people are trying to hire the best people in the world to do this job. So, of course, they're asking, can you really handle yeah. what's going on? You know, absolutely, because that affects my boss. So the guy that hires me, it's a direct reflection on him Yeah. through the producers and everybody else to hire him. Mm. Everybody does a great job. Then he looks like a hero to them. Mm. He gets more work from these people in big movies, and they continues to hire us. Yeah, take us along with them. You know, I've had that happen with several great uh, stunt coordinators who are also second unit directors, and um, yeah, it's a direct reflection on the people that you're working for. So it affects more than just you. You know. Yeah. So I want to go back when you uh, you said what fourth grade you wanted to be a. Stunt oh yeah, man? yeah. Yeah. What what would have sparked that? For you, do you okay, so this is really cool, and I don't think they do it in schools anymore. But when I was in elementary school, the exciting thing was book order. There was this little, like, class newspaper or something, and it had all these books in there. I mean, you could order the Guinness Book of World Records, which everybody ordered because it had freaky stuff in there, yeah, and yeah. cool stuff, and uh, or Ripley's Believe It or Not, which had more freaky stuff in it, but. Where is this, by the way? Where'd you go? Elementary school. I w- this was in uh, La Habra, California. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Yeah, Orange County, L.A. County area. But anyhow, so back to the elementary school book order. So I'm looking through, you know, teacher hands out to everybody. Okay, it's book order time. See what you want to send in for. You know, it was all to get everybody reading and stuff like that. But it was cool because they allowed us. There were subjects in there. It was cool. So I saw this one book in there, and it had to do... 
with Stuntman, and I don't remember the title exactly, but it had this scene in there where these guys on this, this movie called The Mechanic, which they've done a remake of with Jason Statham, the original was with Charles Bronson and Jan Michael Vincent also, which I recommend watching the original. It's just classic. So The Mechanic, about this hitman, but there's this motorcycle chase. And these guys have this motorcycle chase on, on these motorcycles. They even go through this cocktail party at some superfly mansion. People are freaking out. And these guys are hot on, you know, the guy's hot on the guy's tail and they're ch chasing. And then one guy lays the bike down and the other guy goes zinging right past him. And they show the motorcycle going off a cliff, but there's a dummy on it. And in the movie, you can tell it's a dummy, but it's it's pretty good though. I mean, it was pretty classic, you know. And but in this book that I got, it had that stunt in it. And so when I got a little older, I remembered I saw the movie. I go, oh man, I remember that. That was in my book. And they show how they did it. So I had a guy strapped on a motorcycle with a dummy, right? And then he's on a cable on his vest, and it's a dead man. So there's like no bungee, you know, it's just like, Hoo, you're off, you know, when you reach your end point. You know, they show him, and they show him like a still shot of him in the air as the bikes, bike and the dummy are leaving him. Yeah. And how they hid that behind a bush. So the motorcycle and the dummy go through a bush that you see in the movie. But the book had detailed this, and I, you know, I, I became fascinated, and I was always jumping bicycles uh you know riding mini bikes um where i grew up it was it was cool so that and like football were basically your childhood pretty much yeah football i played all sports yeah. you know in high school i mean high school and even junior college uh you know i did track pole vault javelin all this anything i could just because it was fun you know mm -hmm. we were doing bmx right probably before BMX was getting getting going, you know, and uh, we had tracks where I, where I grew up. And then uh, even skateboarding, you know, um, probably in the early, mid-70s, California had a drought. And so everybody at the time were draining their swimming pools and we'd go skateboard to swimming pools, you know, with these guys. And um, you'd see that in the that Dogtown video when those guys used to do that too. But I never really became that good skating pools. So we used to go downhill skateboarding because there was, I lived up in the foothills and we could catch a ride after school with this guy that we knew that lived up at the top. And like clockwork, every day he'd pick us up and we'd go uh, up there and skateboard down and, and sometimes have hellacious wrecks. But um, I was exposed to a lot of activities, you know, and that helped, you know. And then even as I got older, you get into martial arts. So we used to even do neighborhood, uh, we'd just uh, garage boxing. We'd, uh, we'd throw on uh, literally like, there were six or eight ounce gloves. So it was really, it was like almost barefisted, really. Mm. And we would fight our friend. We'd fight each other. You know, the older guys would antagonize us. And hey, hey, why don't you fight? Why don't you fight so-and-so? Okay, great. You know, and so we had this little, you know, underground boxing going on is crazy yeah it makes me think about when you uh you know when you were trying out for the rams and that didn't happen it's like it's uh it's a great thing that you're a versatile person and you didn't you know sometimes i think about people who everybody in sports at some point 
you can't compete at a high level, you know, whether that's high school, college, professional, at some point, your body can't keep up with the youth. Yeah. Um, and so I worry about people who, you know, that's their whole life. It's like, at some point, that's going to end and you need to figure out what else are you into, you know, and yeah. if you put all your eggs in one basket, it can probably be pretty crushing when that gets taken away. Yeah, no, you're exactly right. And I, I got to work on this movie called Broken Arrow. And um, one of the guys in it was ex-pro football player, Hall of Famer, guy named Howie Long, great guy. Mm. And he mentioned one time that relates exactly to what you're saying. And it, I think it help, could help anybody in a situation where they're devastated that, that their dream didn't happen the way they wanted it to because things change, you know. I mean... Guys have catastrophic injuries that were best of the best, so they they have to make adjustments. But Howie made a really profound statement one time. Like right now, I'm holding my hands apart about 10 inches, 8, 10 inches right here. And he said, okay, that's football, right? That's football right there. Or whatever sport or or just something you were so counting on, whatever it was, I was going to be an astronaut. That's That's that, okay? Now take your hands and... Spread them out as wide as you can and maybe get a couple other people and go arm to arm wider than that. And he says, no, that's your life. Yeah. So it's a small window is what he's trying to tell you. It's like, look, that's a blink of an eye, really. And, you know, unless you're some Michael Jordan, nobody's really going to remember what team you were on or what great, even if you did some great things. But if you're not you know, Muhammad Ali or, the, the, you know, any of these great people that you really remember, Evil Knievel, whatever, you know, all these guys that, that have done extraordinary things, you know, nobody's going to remember that, but you're going to be known consistently day by day who, for who you are now mm-hmm. and probably looked up to by other people that you overcame something and took a different direction that you didn't even see coming. And you made it happen, you know, and that's that's the key. You're going to be down. Yeah, you're going to be, you, one dream gets crushed, you're going to be down for a little bit, but you pick yourself up and you start doing, like we talked about earlier. Mm-hmm. You start doing and creating, and you're going to find yourself probably better off in a better direction, in a better position than you could ever think about, you know, because life isn't just one dream. You know, we have lots of dreams, you know, and um, certain careers only last so long. So what happens to those guys when whatever sport, race car driver, anybody, anybody, when they're they're physically unable to be that world champion anymore, that's done. Well, if they're not prepared, then that hits even harder than somebody like me that didn't get it right away. Okay, Mm -hmm. I had to make my adjustments. I was still young enough to get things going. But some of these guys, it's very hard for them, you know, and then depression and things like that. Other things happen. and uh, But also along with that, if you have good, if you're hanging out with good people, you know, friends are hard to find. We have acquaintances we meet every day, okay? and uh, But friends are hard to find. So if you have good, I know this is kind of just going off on a tangent, but it helps to have a good friend base because you can bounce ideas off of this helps with direction. Oh, yeah, for sure. And I was thinking, you know, even if you are Michael Jordan or Evil Knievel or somebody super great, it's like how much happiness can 
your career that's over bring you later on in life? Like you still, I would imagine, have to do other things. Like can Michael Jordan just sit down on his couch all day and just think like, yeah, that was great and be fulfilled throughout his life? No. I think you still got to do stuff, you know, even if you are great. Yeah, absolutely. It's yeah. funny because he took up motorcycle racing, road racing at one time. And a guy, here's a guy 6'6", six, six, whatever, you know. And he did that for a little bit, probably because he's like, what do I do, you know. Yeah. But um, what do you do? You got to keep doing, keep creating. I, I think the other thing, too, is taking people along with you if, if you're fortunate enough to. Like, it's not the all about me thing. You know, look what I did. I get more enjoyment like, look what we did. Like with my granddaughters when I did that book. Look what we did. This is awesome. I can share it with them, okay? Or something with my friends, like on some movies I, I've worked on. I just had a friend recently send a bunch of photos from Titanic because me and I was fortunate enough to work on Titanic. And it was crazy. And this happened in like 1997, 96, 97. And, and, and the stories on that are just wild. And, and But it's these memories you create with friends. So... The community of it is huge, and it's it, how lonely if it's just you. Mm. How lonely, but how great when you share it. When you say, "Hey, remember that? Remember that? Oh man!" And the smile on everybody's faces because it's the me, me, me thing. The the narcissistic people will soon find out that's it's a lonely, lonely place. You gotta have buddies. What did you uh, do on Titanic? Oh man, we a lot of stuff. We were sliding down the deck that uh the, the so when the ship breaks in half there's a section it's a hundred foot section they put on a gimbal which is a tilting mechanism that tilts this thing up and it slowly goes and goes so up to 38 degrees we're we're free of cables and stuff so we're still sliding down this deck and we're flying down this deck and bouncing off certain areas that we've put some special padding where there wasn't or at the very end boxes cardboard boxes are some of the best uh things to, to crash into i've done high falls into a lot of those which is some of the best catchers um to use a word um and as the ships the other parts where the ship's sinking we got water we're taking on water um because all these hydraulics are dropping this ship we were down in mexico and it was only 10 percent smaller than the original titanic it was huge and you know getting sucked through windows and stuff as it's sinking sucked through windows and other friends of mine are doing different things and just all kinds of stuff. And this was all, we did all nights, all night work. So we were on what you kind of call the vampire hours. You work at night. Then when we got off at work, we would go surfing and uh, have have some good meals, go sleep, get back out there at night, do it all night, all over again, you know, and uh, keep going. So um, it was funny that, that I just bring that up because my friend happened to just start sending a bunch of photos and that was just reliving it, you know? Yeah. So I was trying to do a little bit of research on you, but it was it was hard to because like there was an interview of, with you uh stunt stories. Oh yeah. yeah. But I couldn't find the full video. There was only like a 1 minute clip on YouTube. Yeah. And I wanted to watch the whole thing so I could like not ask the same question or just get some more info, but I don't know what where that one went. I mean, I get excited because it was cool. I don't I don't talk about things because I want to talk about me. Mm. I share it because it's it's a, a cool experience. And, and some of the things I find that are more fun to talk about, you know, rather than I'll have friends say, I saw you, I saw you in this or I saw you in that or whatever. The thing that's really exciting is to talk about behind the scenes stuff, mm-hmm. whether it's rehearsals or something like that. You know, I mean, that's where 
some real exciting stuff happens. Okay, so like on, I'll just give you an example. There's a movie called National Treasures with Nicolas Cage. It's a, like a treasure hunt. Yeah. It's really cool. It's a, I mean, I really dig this. It was one of the most fun ones I worked on. I think they're doing a new one. Really? They should do number three. I remember they were talking about it. I, I hope they do. But we're doing a scene where we kidnap the girl from where Nicolas Cage just stole the Declaration of Independence, right? So I'm doubling this Russian guy driving a food truck. So we take off on this chase. And it's funny because the chase starts in Washington, D.C., and then we end up finishing it in downtown Los Angeles. So we're going through this construction site, and, and we had three of those trucks, which is good because the first two broke. Because I'm hitting this uh, metal speed bump that they created, um, which just hammered it. And, I, you know, you, you don't go light on this stuff. I was hammering it myself. So I was hitting that thing as hard as I could and going through and it's little explosions and stuff going through this thing. And then we end up exiting the construction zone. And that's when stunt double Lisa Hoyle, who is doubling Diane Kruger, she is on the door, the, the back door, that as I go around this corner, that back door flies open. So the thing that goes through my head in rehearsal and stuff, when we go do rehearsal and you build up to it, is I have, I have a human being on here that, could potentially get killed if I screw up. Okay, so you get focused. You pray. I pray a lot. I talk to God for guidance, and uh, and it helps. But uh, you get you do that, and so we're doing the scene, and she's coming around, and she's horizontal, and I'm going around this corner, and then you know I'm also aware of the street lights and the telephone poles, and all that stuff. It's really exciting. But as we straight straighten out, and we're going down, I don't know. Hollywood Boulevard or somewhere, somewhere, I forget where we were. There's another friend of mine coming at us in his inside lane. So I'm on the inside lane. He's on inside lane on four lanes. So you got two, let's just say two going north, two going south, right? And we're both on our inside lanes. And he's driving, a, it's like an accordion bus. It has two sections of bus, the little accordion mill. So in the rehearsal, we have a sandbag to simulate Lisa. And so the guys on the inside, the idea is as I come around the corner and she flings out that door, that door opens up all the way to the side of my truck, right? And then the bus passes right by us and then the door swings back the other way, right? So we're going and we have the sandbag on there and I have guys on the inside on cables to pull the door and hold it. And so in the rehearsal, as we're going... The door of the sandbag comes around, they pull the door in, and then I forget what part snapped, and the door flung back open. Mm. So, and no, no bus coming in at the time, but had it been the time, it would have been really bad. Okay, um, she could potentially got killed and something like that. So, rehearsal again, and we get things squared away, we get it right, and it's like, all right, here we go, uh, picture's up, let's shoot. Come around the corner, Lisa, horizontal. Wham, they pull her in. Here comes old Gene Hartline, legendary stuntman, uh, famous flat track motorcycle racer also in his day. Comes in that bus, whoosh, goes right by me. If I wanted to, I could have reached out and touched his bus. That's how wow. close we were. Probably a little bit, I would have to reach out a little bit. But meanwhile, Lisa sucked up against my truck as that bus goes by. Then, then they release her inside. She comes back before the rescue transfer these guys in a van to come get her actress's character and, and go on. But that was an exciting uh, situation right there. That's called the hot seat for everybody. 
yeah, so so things like that, man. There's so many of those situations. It's just like, whew. so you develop a special bond with these people. And I don't see these people every day. Mm. But I think it's because of the situations. We have a kind of a special bond, you know. It's like, man, it's something else, you know. I mean, you yeah. reflect on that too. That's what I was going to say was um, just I just Googled your name or whatever. I, I came on some maybe it was screen actors guild awards or something uh-huh. or i can't some stunt awards yeah and i was expecting like the categories to just be one person but then i saw like best fight scene or whatever and i was like oh yeah it's like that's cool that they get to share a a thing together you know it's not just always the best person but it's the best yeah. scene that yeah there's multiple people going into that yeah ensemble like stunt ensembles and things like that and and that and that's cool and I mean, awards are cool. Um, I think for for stunts, you get into it for no awards, really. You know, I mean, it's just like a unknown stuntman uh, theme song for a Fall Guy or whatever, you know. And uh, you kind of get into it because it's uh, you don't think about the accolades. They come and it's cool. It's appreciated. It's great, you know. But that's not uh, not focused as like an actor. They won an Academy Award, right? Yeah. And I have certain things to say about that, but yeah. uh, for another day. <laughs> but, you know, it's cool that they recognize us and they, they have the Taurus Awards, which is kind of like our Oscars. And there's some incredible people in there. But it must feel good when you get recognition from other people or people that you're working with. And like, um, like one of the clips I saw, you were mentioning Keanu Reeves, who was. Oh, yeah. Uh, who just the there's certain people on the crew and stuff who go above and beyond to yeah to recognize that you guys are doing yeah work. no yeah, absolutely right and I was just talking to this with somebody the other day because he's one of those guys who's such a genuine person treats everybody the same if you're talking he's just listening and look, he's just great and there's there's a few of those people out there you know there's a few of them and um, there's others though that treat people like they're less than and I'm like wait a minute. You know, we're not curing disease here or whatever with yeah. what we do. It's entertaining and it provides escape for people, which I think is great because I, I, when I watch something, it's an escape for me too. Um, I just look at it different these days because I usually know somebody in there or what's going to happen. But, you know, we do provide something like that, entertainment. We're not, you know, some of the things people say is we're not curing cancer and stuff like that. You know, I, I hate to use that analogy sometimes, but... It's true because there's some people that, some actors and actresses, or even directors I've seen that just think they are really something special. It's like, dude, you're just another human to me, man. I mean, you if you want to blow me away, if you want to blow me away, you, you know, the only person who's going to blow me away is when I talk to Jesus. Not if, but when I see him one day. You know, that's going to be exciting for me. Everybody else, hey, man, cool, how you doing? Moving on. You know what I mean? I'm not going to sit here and follow you around like, oh my gosh. Yeah. I can't believe, I can't believe it's you, you know? Right. People got to humble themselves and realize everyone's replaceable, you know? There's other Big people time. that can do the job too. Yeah. No, you nailed it because, and I think it's with most any business, really. Take a position in any business and the line behind that position is a mile long. So for me, there's a thousand people if I can't do the job or if I, something happens to me, boom, you're out. Mm-hmm. You know, I remember working on one of the Pirates of the Caribbean. And, uh, uh, you know, unfortunately, 
I sprained my ankle the first day, man. And I was like, oh, man, I didn't even tell anybody except for one of my close friends. And so... Why is that? Because they'll be like... You're well, not- because if you're hurt and you're not 100%, you're replaced, you know. But I knew what I could do. And I, I've had these injuries before. And it was a pretty good one. You know, the whole ankle was dark purple and all that stuff. And But I bring my kit with me. You always bring your own medical kit. You got to be your own medical doctor because you do come across injuries and if you don't have to go to the hospital if it's something you can treat for yourself you need to have stuff to treat yourself and so i did and i would wrap it every day and and so i kept going you know and and for what i had to do i i wasn't in jeopardy i wasn't putting anybody in jeopardy and and i knew that i could do that now if it was something where i knew it would put somebody in jeopardy then yeah i would say hey Either if you can find another spot for me, fine. If not, then you'll have to replace me. Mm. And again, you got to be honest, you know. Does that ever happen where people, they try to stick it out? Yeah, yeah, they do. I think it I think it's kind of goes along with the type of people that, that we are, really. We, we don't, it's one of those things, oh, it's just a flesh wound. The guy's finger's hanging off or something like that. You know what I mean? And uh, yeah, you do. To a point, but like if one of my friends gets knocked silly, like concussion or something, and you know they're loopy, then you do you have to say something and take them out and go, hey, yeah. dude, 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 you're not all there, bro. Yeah. And then you quietly, you know, maybe quietly get the set medic to say, you know, this is what happened or whatever, you know. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, you work with people that are just like incredible. I mean, I'm humbled. I've been fortunate enough to do this 32 years. And I still consider myself average in what I do um, because there's people I work with that are just incredible, man. And so you talk about listening and learning and, you know, I don't care if they're younger than me. Usually they're older than me. But if they're younger than me, I'm like, dude, I applaud you, man. You know, just just make good decisions offset and you'll have a long career. You know, I mean, that's the thing that people can get caught up in, especially some of these young guys, if they're starting to make good money. You hope they make good decisions and don't spend a party in, you know, because you get in trouble quick. Yeah, and I can imagine, uh, you know, being on a, a set with people and like you said, you're creating these relations and stuff. Like, I mean, a part of it, too, is just somebody that you enjoy being around, too. And like they can do the job, but like not someone who's going to be an asshole during right when things go on, you know, like you want things to go smoothly. And especially when you have a huge production with a bunch of people, it's like. You nailed it. And so that's why, referring what back to what I said earlier about shining a light, when you show up to set or, or whatever job you're doing, I don't care what job it is. You're selling cars. I don't care. If you show up to the car lot or if you show up, wherever you show up, have that smile on your face, man. Have that attitude like, man, I have another day here. This is awesome. This is awesome. Hey, man, if there's something bumming you out, what, what can I do to help you out, bro? Things are, It's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. The more you encourage people, the greater results all the way around come. Because misery loves company. So if you come in spreading a little misery, you know, you're going to gravitate towards somebody else who's a little miserable, you know. And the ones that are positive, they like, they'll try to lift you out of it. And then if they can't, they'll maybe stay away from you. But, you know, and, and we all have our bad days. And that's not to say we don't. And, uh. Some of us hide it better than others, but if it's possible, be encouraging, whatever you do. 
Yeah, that's great advice. I want to uh I want to go back to so after the whole football thing, you decided I want to be a stuntman and you told that to your agent, right? Yeah, I asked my agent, "Hey man, do you know anybody in the entertainment in, in like in entertainment industry I can find out about stunts?" Cuz I had gone by myself to went to Knott's Berry Farm, asked about their stunt show. I mean, I was cold calling, let's say, you know. And um and I finally asked him, "Hey, do you know anybody in entertainment industry knows anything about stunts and then he referred me to this woman who knew this this guy and uh paul stater and he used to uh double errol flynn who is a famous name from the 20s and 30s uh he used to do- double a guy named johnny weissmiller who was the original tarzan hmm. yeah who was an olympic swimmer and yeah pretty cool and so did you just get hired onto a job i mean how does that happen no no so that's a great question because when I went to train with Paul, it was a small class uh, at his house on the beach in Malibu. He had an open-air gym in the middle of his house, and you go and pay your money, and when he thinks you're ready, he's like, all right, this is how you go about networking and stuff. He says, my only job is to train you. It's not to get you a job. Mm-hmm. And that's true because, you know, otherwise he'd be an agent, and you'd have to pay him, you know, as well for that. But that it's just has never been that way with stunts. It's all on you once you're trained it's all on you and so he says yep it's not up to me to get you the job but it just worked out that he did give me my first job because the guy that was initially going to do it had an injury or something so that goes back to what i'm talking about you're injured somebody else is going to get it so that guy was injured he goes hey jim i gotta i have a job for you it was a horrible movie by the way too my first job would the movie sucked it was, uh, <laughs> I might as well say it, um, it was horrible. It was called Repossessed. It was a spoof on The Exorcist with Linda Blair, okay? It's a super scary movie I still don't want to watch. But the guy that I doubled, he was legendary. He's dead now too, but he was legendary. A guy named Leslie Nielsen who was in airplane movies. He was in uh, Spy Hard movies and stuff. He's a really funny guy. So I doubled him. I had a wig and a preacher's robe on i doubled him doing these stair falls there's probably 17 stairs but this is such a low budget movie you know the pictures they had on the wall it's like oh yeah when your feet, if your feet get up just make sure you don't hit any of these these pictures and if don't hit any of the the posts in between the railing on the stairs we only have this one stairwell you know and i was required they asked me to go i went down like seven times a different way each time so whether it's slide on my stomach slide on my back or somersaults down it. The the first one I did though, when my very first one, the first fall I did, I was up on the top of the stairs, and it's a scene where this guy he gets like a heart attack, and he falls down the stairs. So my first initial fall in that sequence was backwards. So I'm at the top of the stairs backwards, looking over my shoulder, and it's like okay, three, two, one, action. I push off, and I'm so pumped up that I just. I hit once on my back, and then I was at the bottom already. And they're like, oh, wow, man, that was awesome. But do you think you get, like, two or three rolls out of it? You know, a little slower, you know, rolling down. I'm like, sure, sure. And the funny thing was, it's like, so my call time, my time to show up that day was at 7 in the evening, okay? that's That was my call time. We're shooting at night. But I didn't get to do that stunt till 5 in the morning. Oh, my. So I'm just waiting around, right? Wow. And I end up just going to my trailer and going to sleep until it's time to go. And so 
I'm all padded up, I, you know, and I get ready to go. But that was the first one. Then I did some other ones. And then, so at the end of the day, you you get paid what's called a stunt adjustment. Mm. That's your bonus for, like, getting thrown out the window, right? So you show up on set. You get a daily rate if you're there for a day. If you're there for more than three days, you're on your weekly rate. And if you're there for months, you're on a weekly rate still. So you, that's what that is. And then your stunt adjustment is all the action you do. So this was a really low budget deal. And they're like, uh, so Paul, he's funny. He's saying, hey, yeah, that's great, Jim. Hey, uh, I want to talk about your adjustment for this, your stunt adjustment for this. I'm all right, cool. So I'm thinking in my head, and I'm just learning about stunt adjustments. Like, oh, man, this would be a good bonus here for that. That was some good stuff. Yeah. He's like, yeah. The director's there, too. He's like, yeah, we don't have a lot of money. He goes, like, how's 150? And I'm like, like for each time, right? For each time? Like for the seven times, yeah. each time, seven times 100? No, no. I was 150 for all seven. <laughs> I'm like, yeah. what am I going to say? No. Yeah. Uh, I'm still like, I was excited. But it's a, it's a fun story. Yeah. You know. It's kind of cool in a way. Like it would be, it, it would probably put a lot of pressure on you if you went, your first movie was Titanic or something. If you yeah. went straight to some big budget. Yeah. It's, um, but how long was the time between, when you started training to, to when you started working. Oh, okay. So yeah, that took me about, I think four or five months. Mm. So it's pretty quick actually. Cause, uh, what we would do at Paul's is basically we would do a lot of tumbling. We'd practice high falls off the unfinished house next door. We'd pull out this kidney bean shaped old bag that many stunt guys before me fell into. And we would practice high falls off that house for one, two and three stories. And we practice sword fighting our picture fights, and then we would talk about camera angles. We'd have session on camera angles, reactions, because, you know, if you can throw a good punch, that's great, but if the guy is not taking a good reaction, it's going to look really bad, yeah. and you can you can see that stuff. But um, things like that. Then there's other specialty training you had to find out on your own, like sliding cars and things like that. It wasn't It didn't offer everything, but it offered enough to get you going. You at four or five months, they said you're ready. But yeah, some I people think, took longer. Yeah, some people took longer because you know I had a real athletic background and I took things, I picked up on things so quick it was great. And uh, others found out it just wasn't for them. Right. You know. And so I was looking on your IMDb, and I don't know how accurate that is, but the number of stunt rules was exactly a hundred. Oh, is that a hundred right now? Well, the hundredth one is. Kong versus Godzilla or whatever. Oh, yeah, I already did that one. Yeah, yeah. there's some things I that think... That was the that, most recent. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, we, yeah, we did that one. That was when we did in Australia like a year ago or something like that. But um, I think there's some that haven't been there because then I have my stunt acting roles. I just have listed as acting. So Yeah, that was like 26. Yeah, something like that. So there's like, you know, 100, like you say, 26 or whatever that's in there. Maybe a couple more that haven't. And... But I think I've been fortunate to work on some of these movies for like, some of them have been for the run. So there's other people, like I have other friends, they have two, 300 movies. And sometimes that's because, okay, they work a day here, a day there, or a week here and a week there, and they, you know, keep moving around. And and that's cool. But it's more, you know, it's, it's such a huge blessing if you're on for the run. Yeah. You know, and because the funny thing is, hey, man, when that job's done, you're unemployed again. Mm. Okay. And that's the reality, you know. So it's a business of peaks and valleys as opposed to somebody that has 
a different nine to five job or, or something like that. Or yeah, I was going to ask. So, so after that first job, were you consistently working? No, no. So I'm still doing a live show at Miami Vice, which was great. And I'm still having fun there. And then I, I have to tell you though, it, I can't remember how long after it wasn't too long after that is when I got, and still probably one of my favorite memories now, um, my first blockbuster movie I worked on was Terminator 2. Mm-hmm. And I had a little, it's called stunt acting part, basically, because I had some cool dialogue and close-ups. And, it's a great scene. And uh, it was really fun. And, and um, it's interesting how I got that job, though. So here's another kind of little behind this backstory. I'm up at uh, working at Universal doing the, the stunt show, and then a friend of mine comes back, and he's like, hey, this guy named Tierra Turner, awesome stunt guy. He's like, hey, Jim, I think you should go up, crash that audition. This audition up there is a big Arnold Schwarzenegger movie they're doing. You ought to go up there. I'm like, really? And nobody really does that because a lot of time, and let's say you're friends, okay? If they're an acquaintance, they won't because everybody's out for themselves. Not all the time, but most of the time in entertainment, you know? I don't want to tell anybody this. He might get that, you know? I could care less. I'll try to help anybody out. But he, he did. And so... I went up there. I got a guy to replace me for the show I was going to do, you know, because we had replacements we could call in. And I'm like, oh, man. So I drove up there, and I got out on the sidewalk, and I did 70 push-ups because I wanted to be a little pumped, you know. He kind of gave me a little briefing about it. And and to this day, if I'm doing because I like to do a lot of push-ups. If I do sets of 51, I do 51 because of a football player named Dick Buckus. If I do sets of 70, it's because of Terminator 2 because that's what I did before I went in. So I went in, I did the audition, and three days later, no phone call, and I thought, oh, well, at least I got to try out. And then it was like the end of that third day, I get the phone call. It's like, hey, just want to let you know you got the job. I'm like, what? I was like, oh, man, so cool. And that was my second movie, but my first blockbuster. And it's still kind of iconic today. Yeah. Is there any, I mean, did you have to do any training as far as like acting for roles when you're speaking and things like that? Not really, because doing the live show really helped me Uh for that. Doing the live show, I'm playing a character and then, you know, you kind of, you know, if you're kind of a ham anyhow, like I am, and being that I don't like to talk too much, as you can tell right now, right? (laughs) Yeah. Um, You know, you can make it happen. You can fool them, you know. I, I did take a couple acting classes, but I... Only a couple, and I was like, I said, this isn't going the way I want it, that I know that I should be going. Because the one thing you have to understand is where you fit. Mm-hmm. And this goes along with any job. You know, I'm not the stunt double for the lead actor. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm, 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 I play more of the thug or the cop or the prisoner or the army guy, whatever. I'm, I'm not the thin dude who doubles the lead guy. And so you have to know where you fit, where you fit. You know, and once you understand that, you focus on that, you know, and that helps out. When you were mentioning all the people in the class, I was like, there must have been all different shapes and sizes of people and stuff. And I guess that dictates a lot of the roles that you can get. Yeah. Yeah. That makes me think about acting, too, and stuff. And it's like, where do you, you fit? Yeah. You know, what do you what do you want to be? If you want to get into acting, what what do you want to be? Who do you want to be? You know, I mean. The good actors can do a lot of different types of characters. That's that's great, but that's what they focus on. And that I, I'll never discourage anybody, but like stunts, it's difficult to get into. Like like music is. Mm-hmm. There's so many fantastic musicians you probably never hear of because they mm-hmm. don't get a break. 
when you mentioned that you you're normally playing like thugs and those kind of things i was thinking when i was watching like some of the highlights of the movies you've been in i was wondering like what's your like what what's your ratio of getting beat up versus you beating someone up you know what i'm saying yeah like, wow that's it cool seemed like it seemed like a lot of times you were taking the hits. Yeah, I, yeah, I would take more of the hits than giving the hits. I might give a couple and then I get it back, and that's <laughs> it. Yeah, yeah, that's really funny. Yeah, because I've so with Arnold. Uh, okay, so he kind of beats me up a little bit in Terminator Two. Yeah, pulls my hair. I yell. I run. Yeah, I'm scared. Um, he's a Terminator, but I took him on. You know. <laughs> yeah, and then in Last Action Hero, he shoots me. He shot me in that one, and then in uh, Batman Forever. Oh, I was on his side in Batman Forever, and then in um, uh, Eraser, he kills me in that one too. He actually threw a chair at me, um, used me as a human shield. I got shot by my buddies, and then he pulls the hand grenade pins that happened to be on my vest and kicks me into the elevator, and I blow up everybody. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah, I guess in movies, mostly the big actors are the ones killing the other people. So yeah, when you're gotta be the hero, right? Yeah, you gotta be the hero. Yeah, but just from watching, it seems a lot harder technically to get beat up than to beat someone up. Is that true or no? Well, it goes back to like what I what I was talking about reactions. So for the guy taking the beating, people can laugh at you or they can gasp mm-hmm. with you, like, "Oh God, that was so funny, that guy." Look, look how stiff that guy is. He didn't take that punch or or he he looked over his shoulder, but he hit the ground. What was he what is he, you know, what's he looking out for something? I mean, it's not, you know, it's things that aren't realistic, you know. And then all of a sudden it's like, bam, you get some guy throws you uppercut and you go flying to your back, you know, and flat back. It's like, ooh, you know, or or you take a wicked punch and, and, and staggers you. It's like, great, that's what's so funny about when you talk about the stars and they have to beat people up, you know, a lot they're going to throw 20 punches at a guy before they start wearing them out. It's like, come on, man. How long do you want this fight? Look, I like a good fight, but let's be realistic, man. Come on. How does that affect your movie watching? Like, do you, do you watch things more technically with, uh, well, it's, there's things. always a giveaway. Cause I usually know if I see a friend of mine on screen, I know something's going to happen. And I know, it's any moment now he's going to get shot or he's going to get, they're going to light him on fire. They're going to throw him out the window. You know, it's so, I wait for that or see that. And uh, yeah, I look, I look at it different, uh, but to me it's, it's just as entertaining. It's just in a different way. What about watching your own movies? You know, I was thinking about you when you were talking about on Titanic, are you conscious of like, wow, this is going to be great. This is going to be something that's awesome. It's going to look, or do you not even know? Okay, so Titanic is the perfect movie to ask that question on because what was happening at the time is there were the rumors going around the set, it's over budget. It's over budget. It's like $250 million movie or something like that. It's over budget. It'll never, they'll never finish it. And we had some setbacks. One time there was these 100 mile an hour winds that came through and we had these huge green screens. These green screens got ripped. And then the hydraulics on the ship broke. So that set us back a couple of weeks. So, you know, naturally the rumbling and grumbling are going on. It'll never, it sucks. It's never going to finish. You know, it finished and all this other stuff. And it ends up being like the number one, right? Yeah. So you don't know, you know. Um, as far as all the action went, it went 
particularly well. There was a lot of people in that, so it's not like, oh, there I am, or something like that. Or, yeah. You know, sometimes you're hardly ever seen. I could work on a movie for a couple of months, and it's like, I'm in the movie for two seconds. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, yeah, right there, you know? Yeah. Some of it ends up on the editing room floor, and other times you're caught lost in the crowd or whatever, but that's okay. When you were talking about uh, National Treasure and that crazy stunt that you guys were doing? Yeah. You know, because who's coming up with the stunts? Is there a stunt coordinator? Well, you have or? the you have the script, and then they you, they get to, they have meetings with the stunt coordinator, and the design uh, the coordinator uh, helps design the action. Of what is possible? What's the best way to do this stunt? Mm. Yeah, we can do this, but it may not be the exact way you're thinking. How can we design this? Mm-hmm. You know, how do we? If it doesn't need to be modified, it's like yeah, we can do that. We'll do that. Has there ever been a time where you've they've come to you with, hey, we want to do this, and you're like, whoa, like, I don't think that can happen, or is it? Have you ever been surprised by well, what they want you to do? Not particularly. Uh, there's been some crazy situations. I mean, on uh, this one movie, we're jumping out of helicopters to the ground, you know, and the cut that they did use was. Like, not that big a deal, you know, I mean, for what we were doing. Um, anytime you're working with helicopters is, is particularly the, the danger meter goes way up. But we're jumping out of these things to the ground and coming a little high, a little hot. Some, you know, so there was a couple of injuries there. Fortunately, everybody, you know, ended up being okay. But, yeah, it was hairy. That's the hardest I ever hit the ground. And... uh that is one is like, oh, man, here we go again. You know, it's like because if they don't get the shot right, you know, if they don't, if the cameras don't get it, nobody and they're not particularly happy with it. So I going again. And so in stunts, the famous saying is got another one in you. It's like, all right, here we go, boys. Got another one in you. Yeah. And this one's going to hurt. You know it, you know, but you know what you signed up for and you know what you're going to do. So how long did you, did you do the Universal Miami Vice? So that show went for seven years. I was there from 87 to 94. But in the last few years, I, I didn't work there as much. I would usually call in the, the alternate to work because you had two full-time teams and then a list of alternates. And so fortunately, thank God, I, my stunt career was, was picking up, you know. I, so I was doing more TV and movies than I was working up there. And then so ever since then, that's those are the jobs that you've pretty much just been doing is TV and movies? Yeah, yeah, TV and movies. I've done a, a little bit of motion capture, which is interesting. I did a couple little... Um, what does that mean? Motion capture is so like for a football video game. Oh, okay, video yeah. games, motion capture is for video. A friend of mine does one for Call of Duty... I got to do this one for one of the Madden football video games, something like that. And you, you wear it's like a, it's like this jumpsuit uh, with the balls all. Over yeah, you. balls all over you, and you know, so many cameras all around the perimeter, photographing every move. So you come up as a stick figure, basically moving, and then they put together that person through the computer graphics. Yeah, you mentioned earlier about your your routine a little bit of like before you do a stunt and talking about talking to God and stuff. Was that something that you always 
Yeah, for me, it's a big deal. I mean, I I was raised, you know, going to church and stuff, but then I I had strayed, you know, and I was a party animal and stuff and then came back. And and my faith is huge for me. And it's funny because I'm I'm not going to preach to you or anybody else because it's a personal commitment. You know, it's not a religion or spiritual thing so much as it is a personal relationship with God and Jesus. And um, I can only speak for myself that I have felt his presence very heavily on me in particular times in my life. And then one particular time doing a stunt, going into it, I was praying about it. And I have never felt more comfortable and so relaxed in my life. So we're doing uh, Guardians of the Galaxy Part 2. And there's like 20 of us and we're doing like 50 foot high falls off of the scissor lifts 45 probably 45 feet i don't know we always say 45 60 70 feet (laughs) no it's probably like 45 feet i guess we're up there and uh, on these huge scissor lifts and falling into cardboard boxes but they're doing it shooting high speed film and this was like 900 frames a second so it comes out extremely slow motion. But so I was up there, and before I do any stunt, I, 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 I pray and I ask God, watch out, not just me, watch over all of us, you know, and protect us and, and help us to get through this safe. And, and uh, thank you for this opportunity, always being thankful because it's an opportunity you dream of. And it's because of him that I have the opportunity and the ability. So I'm up there, and I'm like, okay. My boss, he says, okay, this is what we're going to do. And he says, you, you, and you, to myself and two other friends of mine, younger stunt guys are extremely talented. Casey Adams and, and, and Zach Duhame, extremely talented. And they say, okay, you guys are the first group. Yeah, there's three scissor lifts. So he, and he goes, you go first. He points to me. I'm like, all right, cool. So as we're going up our scissor lift, you know, there's three of them. So we're going in five second intervals. So I'm the first to go. So I'm thinking, okay, and we have to do this a couple of times. So you don't want to do the same fall. You want you want variety, and that's what they wanted. So it's okay. I know how I fall. I'm a little top heavy, so I'm going to over rotate, doing particular things. But I know that because I've done over a thousand high falls. Um, I've done a lot of them. I've also done some where I've over rotated, and it got my attention. Like, oh. <laughs> Should have pulled my knees in as I came around there and I would have rotated better, you know. Um, so on this one, I'm up there and I turn around and we're supposed to be like dead, you know, in the air, right? So I get my heels over the edge of this thing and I'm in kind of a little semi-squat and I'm going to go backwards and I'm going to do a one and three quarter. So it's a full flip. with Actually, it's like a one and a quarter. Yeah, one and a quarter. So I do complete flip and then go to my back, Yeah. right? So I'm up there, I'm like, Lord, you got this. You have shown me what I need to do. And I feel it. I've never felt more comfortable in my life. I was up there. I was so relaxed, not nervous at all, which I have been nervous before. Some stuff, or the butterflies, whatever you want to call it. Because, you know, there's some things where you're like, hey, this is going to hurt. But you gear up for it. You go, man. Uh, after rehearsing things like that. So this one, I fall. I hit perfect just perfect everybody's like whoa and other guys that knew me but not very well they're like oh man 
I was I thought you were just a good football player, dude. That was awesome. And then I got to do more some more bonus stunts, which means more money for me too, because you paid every time. You know, it averages out being paid a certain amount of money to do each of these falls. You know, so you go a different way every time. But mm. yeah, I, I I feel his hand on me all the time. That's awesome. Yeah, but like I said, it's personal relationship, and uh, all I can say is, man, if anybody's in a tough spot in their their life and you're ready to give it up and say, Lord, I'm through trying on my own, mm-hmm. through screwing it up on my own, I need your help, you know? You said you've been doing stunts for 35 years? 32. 32 years. How is your job different from when you first started out? Yeah, no, great question. So let's just take a car hit, for example. Depending on what it's going to be, I may not be as eager to do it now as I was when I was younger. I know different ways to do it now that's not... Uh, you know, but it's, do, is that what they want to do? You know, there's different tricks to get the shot done. So, yeah. So the older you get, when you do get injured and you do, it takes longer to heal. As opposed to when I was younger, I could bounce back from stuff quicker. Stunts has taken a little bit different direction in the sense there's more green screen now, or blue screen, whatever they're using, you know, a lot. Um, more wire work, which has its place. And then, uh, there's there's times where it's like, I don't want to put certain movies down, but I've had some friends work on some of these movies with some car chases that the car comes off the seventh level of the parking structure and lands on the freeway and drives away, right? And uh, it's like, come on, man. We're not idiots. If I want to watch a cartoon, I'll watch Bugs Bunny, man. Yeah. Roadrunner. That guy's a stunt. That, that dude's a stunt, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But no, there's a lot of things that have changed. It's It's less practical so car chases aren't like like you watch a steve mcqueen bullet movie and watch out car chase is great it's all practical there's nothing phony about it you know um watch ronan that's a great car chase you know um there's a lot of good stuff that's more practical back then fights were more practical now there's so much so much wire work with fights that used to be designated basically for the chop sake movies, they would call them, which I love to watch these old karate movies. Mm-hmm. I think they're cool because there's a that's a special genre for them. But now <clears throat> you want to do something in some superhero movies these days. or I mean, you have to do it if you're doing Marvel stuff because those are comics coming to life, right? So you want to mimic that stuff. But there's other things like, like I said earlier, man, you, how many times you got to hit this guy before you know... That would have broke his jaw after the first hit, yeah. you know, or whatever. There's a lot of things they string out more, but there's more replacement with the computers. What do you have to do to be ready for your job on it? I mean, is it working out? Is it special training and stuff? Yeah, no, it is. For, for me, uh, um, it's working out. So uh, I work out sometimes a different way each day. It just depends how, how I'm feeling. Um, I love to do you know, what's good for anybody. Like the Marines, I was never in the service, but, oh, by the way, God bless the men and women. Uh, today, today's a Memorial Day. Um, God bless and thanks to all those <clears throat> that have died <clears throat> for us that allow us to do even what you and I are doing right here yeah. without any problem. But um, push-ups, pull-ups, stretching, stretching's crucial. The older I get, also, I'm more susceptible to um, muscle pulls in my legs. Um, so stretching is is crucial uh take my dirt bike out keep you know ride my dirt bike things like that you know just training yeah and then i could imagine 
whatever the job requires, you have to do some extra practice for certain things maybe or no? Yeah, well, you know, if you're fortunate enough, you know, you might know what you're going to do before you do it. Hey, how'd you like come work on this show? You know, for me, nine times out of ten, because I know who's calling me, I'm like, yeah, cool. I know ask what we do. I'm ready to do it. You know, what? It, and they know my abilities anyhow. So, because, um, which kind of blows my, my daughter away. She's like, Dad, it's so funny. You, every time I ask you, you're going to the movie and I ask you what you're going to do, you say, I don't know. Just going to do it. I'm like, yeah, I just got to be ready for it. It's like if you are doing a fight, um, you know, I know where I fit. They're not going to call me to do flips and spinning kicks and stuff like that, even though I've done them when I was younger. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> I've done more of the brawling stuff, but fights are a dance. It's, you know, the choreo- everything's choreographed. Car mm-hmm. chases, everything is choreographed, but can get really hairy, you know, especially working with vehicles. Yeah. I just wanted, I wanted to ask your take on, like I was thinking about as a professional stuntman, what's your opinion on like jackass? <laughs> yeah. No, man. Um, don't do it like that. <laughs> I highly recommend not doing it like that. You know, yeah. I you know, it's it's dangerous what they do. I mean, it's it's funny because let's just say there's a lot of backyard stuntmen, yeah. and he created a niche where the voyeuristic people want to see somebody get wrecked or do something stupid. There's like this mentality out there. It's like, look, I get it when you're in high school or something, you know. But at some point, you got to grow up, man. And like the stuff that they do is like, it's not, I would never do that stuff to myself, you know? That's where you're really inviting risk. There's yeah. they don't rehearsal about something there, you right. know? It's like, you know, I'm going to stick my head in the hornet's nest. Hope they don't sting me, you know? Yeah. Come on, dude. <laughs> yeah, the entertainment is partially like in their pain. Where it's like, in your case, you're trying to pull off these stunts and be perfectly fine, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you know, I mean, the, I mean, the whole idea, uh, there's a difference between a daredevil and a stuntman, is that for stunts, you need to be able to do it more than once. The jackass thing, I mean, probably pretty much just what the title is, you know I mean? <laughs> but it, that deals to a certain mentality of people that don't, I, I think they just don't care so much, you know? Yeah. And it's like, dude, that is rad, man. That stuff's cool. Man, I want to yeah. do that, you know, stuff like that. I'm like, you know, I see it with these guys doing backyard wrestling, jumping off the roof onto tables because they're emulating some pro wrestlers. I'm like, you know, some of them get hurt really bad. It's like, yeah, there's a reason why Yeah, you got hurt. You didn't know what you were doing, you know. Did you see the movie um, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood? Yeah, well, I was in that. Oh, you were? Yeah. Did you remember the scene where Leonardo DiCaprio is wearing the eye patch and has the flamethrower? Yeah. Okay, well, I'm the Nazi general who's talking initially in that. We're gentlemen. We must reverse our forces and drives the enemy back into the sea. And then he comes out after my other friend says, Herman, opens the curtains, and then out comes Leonardo. Anybody ask for fried sauerkraut? And there's uh, like uh, seven or eight of us on that table. We all did full burns, and we did that twice. That's awesome. Yeah, get hit by the flamethrower, you know. I had no idea you were in that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, you could see, you, you could actually see me in that one. Yeah. Um, and I'll especially have to watch back. delivering the lines, too. But um, I was asking because of the, that's the only movie I can think of with a stuntman as one of the characters. Yeah. Because Brad Pitt plays the stuntman, right? Yeah. For, yeah. And I was just wondering what your thoughts were on the portrayal of 
I mean, it was pretty cool. It was basically based after uh, Hal Needham, I think, from what, uh, what I understand. And there's some really funny things in there. I mean, I'm a fan of Kurt Russell, so I liked him in there. Mm-hmm. And then the Bruce Lee scene was really funny to me. But, you know, I have a lot of friends that, that I worked on it with, you know, with. And uh, I look at it a little differently. I'm inter- I'm entertained by it, you know. I'm, I don't. Unless the movie's horrible, I don't get like real critical of it. I just want to be entertained, man. Yeah. you know, and be because it was on a stunt man in the movies. There was a lot of uh, stuff in there that are like, you know, kind of pretty close to how it is. You know how it goes. You know, like when he's Leonardo's telling Brad, like, man, I just I wish I could have you on this one. They want this other stunt guy because, you know, the political aspect of it. it's like yeah. they really like him and. You know, I would have you on it. You've been with me all this year. And he's like, yeah, I know, I know. Yeah. And that's the way it goes. You yeah. Know? But I guess it's probably not really like that anymore where there's one stunt double for one actor that follows him around. Yeah, there's only a few actors. If they're smart and they have a good stunt double, they'll keep him around and they'll put him on in their contract too. Eddie Yancic was that that guy for Nicolas Cage for years, and Nicolas Cage took care of him. There's some actors. I knew a guy that doubled Bruce Willis for nine years, and but he never put him in his contract or really took care of him that much. I have a, another friend who's been Ben Affleck's stunt double for 15 or 16 years, and I don't think he's put him in his contract either. I mean, when you have somebody like that that makes you look so good and that is really good at making you look good, you want to make sure they're taken care of. Mm. You know, and uh, the money that they get paid is uh, it's an easy thing to help out your guy. Yeah. You know, which actor is the best stuntman? Because doesn't like Tom Cruise do all of Well, the first thing that comes to mind is like Tom Cruise. But what you have to understand that not a lot of people know is the stunt double who Casey O'Neill was his stunt double for many years. The stunt double does the rehearsals and all the dangerous stuff Mm -hmm. to get it dialed in for doing things that Tom's going to do. Now, there's we talked about um, computers uh, a little while ago. Um, They do things such as face replacement. So in one of the I think it was one of the Mission Impossible's one of the last one he's doing. uh, Tom Cruise is on the motorcycle. I think he had a helmet on. I didn't see that one. But another friend of mine, Jimmy Roberts did all the motorcycle work for him. Mm-hmm. But they use face replacement. You know, say so put the dots on Jimmy's face, then they put Tom's face on Jimmy. And they did that with Casey O'Neill and a lot of things. And so there's a point to where they're going to allow him to do this type of stunt. And then with Tom being a producer as well, he can kind of write his own ticket. No, I really want to do this. All right, all right, give us the time to rehearse this and get it dialed in, then we'll bring you in and rehearse with you and get it dialed in and you're gonna be you're gonna be good. Yeah. So he doesn't do all of his own stunts though. No. Yeah. But he I mean he does a majority I mean, I wouldn't say majority, he does a good amount of them. Yeah. And you know more than mo- pretty much all actors. Yeah, we we, we teased him on being the highest paid stunt man. Uh-huh. You know. But um I mean he's a he's a pro when it comes to work. Yeah. When it comes to work, he's a filmmaker and he comes to, to work and he doesn't mess around. Jason Statham's a stuntman too, right? Or was Yeah, it you know, he does things to a point as well. I've never worked with him. I've had a friend that doubled him. So I really can't say, 
what he has or hasn't done. I don't know. Uh, another friend of mine who, uh, Tonaway Reed, who is the rock stunt double, mm. does a lot of his stuff. And he, for not just for being a big guy, but, but yeah, for being a big guy, the dude's an incredible athlete. Yeah. I mean, it's amazing. And then another guy I just recently worked with, this guy named Chris Romrell, he doubled Chris Pratt in this movie I, I worked with him on. And this guy's a big, he's a big guy. And, but he's a parkour guy, too, among other things. And I'm like, that guy moves like that? Wow. He's going to be around a long time. Yeah. Until he can't move. Yeah, and, I would imagine, like, The Rock, you need someone who... He's a great. specific guy that needs to be his stunt double. But he's a great guy, too. He's a physical guy, you know. He's a wrestler. He's an, he's an incredible athlete. He does a lot of things as well. But he's smart enough to know, like, I'm going to let Tomway do this stuff. You know, plus he's, you know, rocks the franchise. I mean, just like Cruz. So Cruz, he he can either be doing it for his ego or he could be doing it to, he, he could be doing less and letting his guy do more. It still it makes him look good. You know, like I said, with a face replacement. But the smart guys will have their stunt doubles do most of it. I would. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So looking forward, I mean, what what do you think your career looks like? Like how how long do people do stunts for? You know, it's it's funny. You're you, the that physical action you do will trail off just because your physical abilities dwindle as you get older. But for me, what's worked out for me is the stunt acting parts, and then maybe eventually some character acting, you know, stuff like that. But what I'm really fired up about is a buddy of mine and myself. We've been writing, and we have three scripts. So my ultimate thing is to start making some some faith-based action movies um, because we have the ability to do a little more realistic and whether it's language or anything like that it's it's all it has to be like real life it can't be soupy and syrupy it's got to be real life you want to get a message across so i want to make some movies i want to give people jobs there's people out there right now that are just as stoked as i was when I started and I want to capture that and I want to be so stoked for them and say, yeah, man, let's, let's get it. Let's do this, man. Let's go wreck this car. Let's go, you know, let's go. We're going to have this big old gnarly fight and you're not going to win, you know, whatever. I want to be stoked for them, you know, to, to share that, man, share the excitement, man. Like, like with you, I'm stoked with where you're going to go. You're going to, you're going to go great places you don't even know about yet. And it's going to happen. And you know why? Because you're doing it. It's going to happen. Thank you. Yeah. I appreciate it. That's awesome, though. That I mean, when did you start writing scripts? or when? Yeah, I started doing it really uh, about six years ago. And the first one I wrote with my brother, just basically over the phone. And it's an action comedy. And then the other one... Uh, that my buddy and I did that took us like two years to write and uh, it's quite a process I never knew it could be so tiring because you're using using your brain not that I don't use my brain okay don't get me wrong (laughs) all right but when you're writing and you have to make up the story you have to create this story it could be you know you set out let's do it for an hour next thing you know you're three hours into it's like man I need a break Mm. you know yeah, it's much different than what you're used to doing stunts. You're you're a part of a bigger picture, and now you're trying to create the picture. Yeah, because there's yeah. so much more to think about. Yeah. You know. But how, is that just uh, learning by doing pretty much, or you guys? 
Yeah, I think no, really, no. It 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 stems from being creative. Mm-hmm. It's like for me, if I'm writing something, a lot of times if I'm going to start something, I'm like, what what do I want to see? Okay, for me, it's usually something that involves some justice, mm-hmm. because we live in a fallen world, bro, and there's a lot of bad things happening every day. Mm-hmm. But I'm not going to let that defeat me. That that's not going to defeat me, man. And um, I'm going to write some things uh, that I want to see happen. You know, I want to see some justice, man. You know, yeah. um, or something good happen to somebody. You know, and um, yeah, I want to write some really cool, cool stuff. I don't, I don't need scary or, or dark. It's yeah. there's plenty of it out there. Mm. You know, if you want to listen to the news, which I don't, but if you turn it on, there's all the scary and dark you need. Yeah, I don't need to see it on a movie. Yeah, I want the, to motivate, man. Right, to motivate and escape that. Yeah, get people excited, man. Yeah. I'm not bummed out. I want to get get them excited. Let's go. Let's make something cool. I feel the same way. That's awesome. What kind of other things are you doing? Okay, it's really cool because my wife, she, I give her all the credit. Um, she started this farm where we live here. What's it called again? Mountain View Farm. Mountain View Farm. Yeah, and because uh, you can see that mountain right there, that's really cool. Yeah. But I never saw myself in this situation at all. I've never lived on something like this in my life. It's it's just like, wow, Lord, this is really cool. I never even thought about it. So she's got this garden going. She motivated me to to help her build. Motivates, good word. <laughs> but she's really good. She's really creative. But we got chickens now. We got a, a pig named Pickles. We got three goats. Two miniature donkeys, uh, a miniature pony, uh, the dogs. I just got her dog for her birthday in, in March, and uh, he's a funny dog. But um, The bees. The bees, yeah, and we just got the bees. So right right when you came up, I was just adding sugar water yeah. to the bees. And I've, I'm like, again, I'm like, man, never thought I'd be in a bee outfit, you know? Handling a beehive with, like, thousands of bees right in front of me and and it's just really cool, man. It's this, uh, there's something happening here, man. Some vegetables are growing. The chickens will probably start laying eggs in five months. And and we'll probably get some honey pretty pretty, pretty soon, hopefully. But, um, yeah, I saw, I saw a little cool piece of nature just happen, too, because I was adding some sugar water. Uh, I lifted up the lid of the hive box and give them a little smoke so I could get them out of the little channel where i put the sugar water because i don't want to drown any unfortunately it happens sometimes with them and so i'm adding that and then as i'm getting ready to close the box up i see there's a wasp come down and all of a sudden the bees are like no you're not you're not getting away from us we're taking you bro and they took him down i was like whoa look at this crazy crazy yeah so this is going on at the same time trying to get uh start shooting a trailer for the movie that a buddy of mine and i are are gonna do oh trying to shoot a trailer yeah 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 so we've got everything in place we're just uh waiting to get our camera guys and our director of photography dialed in and then we want to shoot a little uh little trailer for a movie that we hope to show uh you know at some festivals you know so does that mean the movie's going to be made well that's what if eventually if if uh if it's if it's definitely meant to be yeah it will be made and uh 
I, I don't yeah. even worry about it, you know. But that's a whole nother deal, whole nother story. We get fundraising and th- things like that. But it's about shooting that trailer to get attention. Gotcha. You know. So, I mean, I, I don't know. Is that how movies work a lot of times, or because I, usually I would think, I guess a bigger budget movie they they film the movie and then the trailer comes out. Well, for established, yeah, established, you know, huge movie corporations stuff like that you know they they've got no problems with their resources to get something done so i think the really exciting cool thing is the independent filmmaker who starts from scratch who's like sitting like you and i are Mm -hmm. you know trying to be creative and trying to make something happen but not really trying anymore we're doing it you know Mm -hmm. you're doing it i'm doing it uh sometimes a slower process than others that may have the uh the financial backing yeah. But at the same time, we have a lot of equipment that's uh, we're all ready to, you know, can go. And we can put stuff out on something like YouTube or mm-hmm. uh, Zoom or whatever. We can, there's ways to share it now where it's like, no, I don't, we don't have to rely on somebody else, you know? That's awesome. And I mean, you, you know, you've done it before with, uh, you know, stunts. You, at one point, you had never done it in your life and then you took the steps you needed to make it happen yeah it wasn't an overnight process but sometimes uh i don't know i think we forget what we're capable of oh man you just you just nailed it we do forget i forget sometimes and then i also go back i'm like no man put your mind to it pray about it you're going about it the right way it's going to happen it may not happen the way you planned it but you'll know if it's not going to happen because something else might show up you never thought and go, oh, wow, let's do this. Is there anything else you wanted to touch on? No, not really. I'm just super stoked that you allowed me to uh, have this time with you on your podcast. And um, I can't wait to hear the ones after me. I can't wait to hear who your next guest is. Guest. The T was silent when I said it the first time. Your next guest. No. Guess who the next guest is. Yeah, guess who the next <laughs> guest is. Or you know, uh, I'm excited for you, man, because see so many possibilities. Thank you. I appreciate it so much. And hey, if there's somebody else you wanna I've got plenty of people. If you need a different different subject, I, man, I got very interesting people you could talk that to. That would be awesome. Yeah, I'm always I I'll I'll interview anybody or have a conversation. It doesn't even need to be an interview. Yeah, you should because somebody's going to have opposite view of me, whether it's my beliefs or what I say or do. And, you know, it's good to have other perspectives, man. It's like, I mean, that's our First Amendment, right? Yeah. You know? So. Yeah. Yeah, it's so important. And nowadays it feels like so many people want to keep to themselves. And it's something I'm trying to do is just, you know, listen and hear out people that I don't agree with and yeah. be comfortable with that and not... Uh, hate people just yeah. because they disagree with me spread the love and, and, and the encouragement and and something else you just made me think about man because i really love when it happens is to find somebody that's a little introverted and they have so much to offer that they don't even know mm-hmm. i remember this uh this one guy that i met and my wife and i were in this uh this at this gym doing this challenge you know, this fitness challenge and stuff like that. And met this, met this kid who was super overweight and all that stuff. And I became his friend. I started talking about music. I'm like, you play music at all? And he's really kind of shy and stuff. He's like, yeah, I play the violin. I said, what? Dude, you got to come up. We got to jam. I got a song we got to do. Then I need violin. 
I mean, I'm a hack guitarist, but it's fun. And um, he came up and jammed with me. And I just think there's so many people right now, right now, that are they're almost afraid to walk out the front door, mm-hmm. for use of a better term. Um, they're introverted. They're shy. Man, the, the greatest thing is to see them light up when you hit a button, when you hit that that button that says go, and and you find something a talent they have. I could, it could be painting, it could be handwriting, which is a lost art. I don't care what it. If you're a world champion yo-yo performer, I don't care. There's something. There is something exciting about everyone. There is something exciting. Somebody could be going through hell right now. And they need encouragement, but there's something exciting about them. They're they're a champion about something. There's something exciting. That's so awesome to hear. And it's like you, as someone who's comfortable in your own skin, it's like it kind of goes back to not just all being about myself, but if you can be that spark for someone else that they need, you know, that's just as important than, you know, you achieving your own dreams is sparking that for someone else and being you know, bigger than just yourself. Yeah, and then you find the next one and the next one and the next one, right? And you keep spreading that encouragement and and allowing that creativity to just boom. Right. Well, and then, so you sparking that in the violin kid, at some point, maybe he can blossom into being, you know, a beacon for other people. And yeah, yeah. Just, you know, I think like in some wildfire. ways he has. I've, I've been out of touch with him a little bit. I think he moved moved away I forget where, but um, I should touch base with him again, you know, just as a follow-up now that we're talking about it. But, yeah, I mean, you'd be surprised with some of these people that are so quiet, what they have. And, and a lot of times, they're just too shy. Well, and I think it's getting easier to be quiet and comfortable with that. I mean, you know, you don't have to leave your house for anything anymore. Know, you can get it all online, shipped, delivered. You can you know, communicate with people online, you can get all the entertainment, there's less of a reason to go out. You can get the wants, you're right there, you can get the wants online, but the needs and what people need is that interaction and that physical, like I'm getting so much more out of this, seeing you, talking to you here, than if I were doing over the phone. Mm -hmm. Not the same at all. Yeah. Because I don't get reaction from you over the phone. Like I can't see you yeah. Over the phone. Even if we were FaceTime, it's not the same. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah, there's a certain energy that you feel. It's just, it's different. Yeah. It's, it's definitely different. Yeah, we got to open those people up. Shout out to Mike Price for helping with the music.